Good evening, everyone. Friends, we hear we're, we heard a part of um, scripture from the book of Job, and uh, that book uh, attempts to explain suffering, in particular, why good people suffer. Uh, but when uh, you know, one studies it, it goes. There's so many layers to it, and ultimately, will come to uh, uh, God's. Um, People who want, attempt to defend God or put him into a particular thing. If you do this, God can only do that. If you do this, God does that. And it all, ultimately, it, it, it gets in the way of the aut- autonomy of God himself. St. Paul basically is saying, uh, he's putting all of his ego aside and he's saying, and anything else, uh, and ultimately, I will allow Christ to shine through and I will be able to uh, approach everyone uh, and let uh, the light of Christ come through me and to approach others. And that's why I said I'm going to be everything for everyone. Um, so uh, a very good way to be. My friends, um, looking at the first reading and the gospel, we know that sickness and affliction are, are um, universal experiences. Uh, looking at the reading, the first reading of the gospel, uh, we also understand that suffering comes not only for people who we consider to be selfish or sinful. It comes for people who are young. It comes for people who are old. It comes for people who are wise. It comes for people who are foolish. It comes for saints. And it comes for sinners. From the first reading Job sentiments, uh, I suspect it is something that uh, maybe not all of us can exactly relate to, but at some level, uh, all of us have experienced heartache or suffering or pain. And, uh, or uh, we know someone, someone that we love, uh, who suffers, becomes ill, uh, or possibly dies. We can all relate to human suffering regardless of the source of the suffering, whether it be physical or emotional or spiritual. Uh, most uh, will want to uh, have their Job moment, um, if you will. Um, the Gospel of Mark uh, reveals many things about Jesus, including uh, that uh, it was into this world of suffering and affliction that Jesus entered. We are told in this Gospel passage that Jesus healed uh, Simon, who would become, you know, we would know him as Peter, Simon's mother-in-law, uh, and then others, too. Some people are healed physically, and some people are healed emotionally, and others are healed spiritually by the power of Jesus and his words and his teaching. Uh, we see this not only from Mark's gospel, but also from the others, where Jesus will say, your sins are forgiven, go. He goes after the soul first, and then the other things. Mark's gospel puts forth that Jesus sees uh, the deepest healing that is absolutely necessary is the one that is spiritual. And Jesus knows that suffering and affliction uh, can make us bitter and can make us self-absorbed, can make us isolated. Thus, when one is healed spiritually, they are given the grace and the strength not only to accept the condition that is in their life at that time, but, if you will, to use it, and uh, uh, for lack of a better phrase, to extend love and compassion 
uh, often we'll hear the word empathy. Uh, that person has empathy with others who then now suffer. In their suffering, they come to understand a deep truth about our world, that it is imperfect and broken. And uh, they come to understand this, and also that people are imperfect, and they are broken also. Through suffering, one often experiences the fragility of life and comes to understand what is truly important and how everyone is in need of grace and redemption in Christ. When we can unite our suffering with that of Christ, we make our own pain and suffering an occasion for spiritual victory, if you will. Christ uses it as expiation and redemption, as it were, by his grace. And um, our Lord transforms suffering and affliction from something that is empty and has no value uh, for many of us who would say, what is, what, what is the point of this? It has no, it is just pointless. But because of Christ, it is no longer that. There is a, a holiness in it. It is very hard to understand. And it is something then uh, when a Christian suffers, that it is not done in vain. And it transforms it into a holy suffering. Um, it is in this um, context that uh, ultimately, when you study the book of Job, the whole thing, not just the paragraph we heard, uh, you come to understand that um, there is no theology that will help with this, really. Theology is the study of um, and there are many books written. I've looked at all of uh, a large, vast of them, and some of them are in, almost impossible to understand because they're at a level of Christology that are so high that, you know, I just get a headache reading it. I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, there we go. I'm just suffering reading this book, trying to figure it out, what the point of suffering is. But we come to find out uh, that no theology, but theology will fall short when we, we call it like the theology of suffering, will fall short because we cannot understand it completely. It is a mystery. And uh, in the Old Testament time, the book of Job attempts it. Um, the difference between the Old Testament and us is that at the time that Job is, the, that is written, they don't have a concept of heaven. They don't understand it. But we, because of Jesus Christ, we have a concept of heaven and everything is reconciled in heaven. And we come to understand differently. And uh, I know that for some that doesn't, it's not helpful now. But there it is. And um, so uh, we do what Christ did we find in the gospel, he prayed. Uh, one of the first things uh, I was, when I looked at it, I, they said they were, they said everyone was coming after him. You know what another idea of that is? Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus at that, you know, because, why? Because he was the son of God? No, because he was able to do something for them. But that's the wrong attitude for me to have when I, initially, when I, because uh, in the book of Job, if you study it, Job uh, has a very pessimistic outlook on life. The suffering, that he had blessing, but the suffering he had made him get really pessimistic and move into despair. Uh, eventually, uh, 
he has this really hard conversation with God, um, which seems very rough, but it's actually very eye-opening. My friends, we have, uh, so we do what Jesus, Jesus prayed. He went off and prayed by himself, and uh, um, in doing so, he connects in this world with the Father, uh, and uh, it helped him also to re-energize, if you will. And it's hard for, again, these are mysteries, these are things we can't fully understand in this world. In the same way, the sacraments, we don't fully understand. Most people, we have a whole systematic theology, we have a whole sacramental theology, and yet they too will fall short of explaining everything in such detail. But my friends, on, uh, uh, with our first reading with suffering and uh, the healing that Jesus does, uh, this gives me the occasion to talk about the sacrament of anointing with you. And um, in antiquity, the sacrament was administered to people who uh, we call gravely ill or actively dying. Later, it would be administered to those who were dying, um, and uh, for some of uh, the older folks, they remember it as last rites, or we used to call it extreme unction. It really was a sacrament for spiritual healing and for strength and for peace. And so today, uh, we call it the sacrament of anointing, we don't call it last rites anymore. Some of the older folks, Father, have you come to give me last rites? Yes. <laughs> but we call it the sacrament of anointing. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, they, they made me laugh. <laughs> we know what it's really is. I'm like, okay, very good. But it, we call it this, and, um, and it's not just for people who are at the point of death, um, but for those who are seriously ill in body and also uh, as the Catechism teaches, those who are greatly distressed in mind and spirit, I mean emotionally. And um, because one's faith is challenged in such times, this, each of the sacraments have a particular grace for it, that uh, Eucharist has everything, um, but um, it instills a, a special assistance of God's grace so that that person may have consolation and peace and not feel isolated or alone or even worse, abandoned. The sacrament gives one courage and grace to hold the faith in such challenging times. It can provide healing that is sometimes physical and sometimes emotional, but absolutely always spiritual. The sacrament can protect one from having doubts and anxiety and being plagued, if you will, as we are told Job was in his time of great distress. In that, then, it can turn a time of desperation into a time of conversion. And because it switches that, that conversion means transformation, ultimately. Marins, the thing about um, the sacraments is I cannot, uh, the church, we, the sacraments are for the living. So I cannot anoint, do the sacrament of anointing on a person who has died. It's not possible. They're not here no more. And uh, so the sacrament no longer is effective for them. Now, they are in the hands of God from that point. Um, oftentimes people are afraid. Um, you heard me talk about this. Uh, that what we call the priest and he anoints mom, mom's going to die. I am not the angel of death. <laughs> and the sacrament doesn't do that. It's 
between God and that person. We shouldn't see it that way. And I certainly don't want to scare somebody when I come. Because sometimes people call, I want you to come and anoint, but I'm, I don't want you to scare my parent. I said, don't worry. I said, don't you know, Father Mark, he has a sense of humor always about everything. And I said, I will come through the door with that sense of humor. Um, but uh, the whole point of it is that they have consolation and, and strength in their moment. And uh, um, my friends, uh, uh, with all sacraments, again, they are only administered to the living. The sacrament um, for the sick, uh, only a bishop or priest can do this. Uh, it comes from the book of James, uh, where it speaks about that. And one of the reasons why in our Catholic Church, um, only a bishop or priest can administer the, this sacrament uh, to one of our Catholic members because it has the ability to remove sin. And that has been given only to the bishop and priest in Jesus' name. That's why a deacon can't go. And, and uh, if I become sick, you guys need to go and find the closest priest <laughs> and drag him over here to get Carver because <laughs> Father won't be able to call him, right? Um, but it becomes important because of the grace that it is in. And... Uh, uh, through the sacrament of anointing, um, this sacrament, uh, Jesus comes to the person. Uh, in the scriptures, we see people sometimes bring people to Jesus. Sometimes Jesus goes to them. In the sacrament, Jesus comes to them, if you will. Uh, and absolutely, I can tell you as your pastor and as priest, I have seen the power of the sacraments. Uh, they have nothing to do with me and everything to do with Jesus. <laughs> But um, I've seen the power of the sacrament of anointing, its ability because of Christ and his promises. Uh, sometimes in the body, yes. Sometimes uh, emotionally making them strong, but always a spiritual peace to it. 